This is episode six of The Creative Outsiders, and I'm your host, Siobhan Hill. The Creative Outsiders is a collective of women storytellers that aim for sisterhood through a community that provides professional development for emerging filmmakers. Simply put, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. And today I have the pleasure of talking to Zoe. I know that we're going to have a great conversation. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. I always start off asking everyone, why filmmaking? What was the moment that defined you choosing filmmaking? Filmmaking kind of came into my life. um, I don't know if it was an orthodox way of coming into somebody's um, creativity. I was always a writer, um, always writing poetry or short stories and things like that. always found a great deal of catharsis writing my stories and and especially writing poetry um i became interested in photography first um and uh, actually had a old school film nikon camera that my mom lent to me that she still bugs me about returning to her um and i just started experimenting with with images and and discovering that i kind of had an eye for for framing up a shot so when i entered high school i was becoming more and more interested in, in combining the two writing and, and, you know, making pictures and filmmaking was pretty natural, um, to have a moving image and you're telling your story at the same time and there can be dialogue or you can have a narration. And so it just, it really fit in with what I'd already been super interested in. Um, I started taking up, uh, like radio broadcasts and kind of dipping my toe in journalism and, and different ways of, uh, like multimedia production, website design, and things like that, and I just always gravitated back towards filmmaking because it was this amazing way to tell my voice, to show the world sort of through my eye by using the camera, Um, and being able to write scripts, and I think that was like, the most exciting thing to me was to build out characters that I didn't see so much on TV or in film, or like people that I, you know, loved in my actual life and cared about and I could take influence from different people and build an entire character and make them three-dimensional and make them, you know, like a, a superhero in a realistic um, environment and and create people that I wasn't seeing represented so much in my media. I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say. Everybody gets <laughs> into their interviews and they say, like, I wanted to make a, an image that I hadn't seen before. But it really was true. And I think the importance of giving people the power to do filmmaking, um, especially women and women of color and people that aren't normally listened to. Um, Giving them the tools to do filmmaking allows them to bring those crazy, unique stories out from under rocks and, you know, behind the bushes and bring them to the limelight. No, I don't think that's cliche at all. I think that's, um, and I'll ask you, too, your opinion. I think that's where... um, Not to say that it's more prevalent, but I think that's the urgency because women, we feel like our voice is being left out. You know, it's, we're always seeing the perspective of a male, but like, it's like, there's more than just men out here. There's women that have stories to tell. So I don't think that's cliche at all. (laughs) I don't either. I think, you know, I think it's worth to say it. If you say it a million times, maybe somebody will, you know, pay attention. Right. And I've just, I've seen television, I'm very interested in episodic um, 
work, especially these days. But if you look at television now, it's changing so much with people like uh, Ava DuVernay and, and Issa Rae and, and people out here really putting out great material about real-life situations with dynamic characters and also having the integrity to bring on people that are just that are like them onto you know into these these platforms you know hiring women to be behind the camera it's an incredible opportunity for women and women of color um and of different you know backgrounds just ranging you know economics are ranging religions ranging all of that really brings in such just like spicy material it, it brings such great diversity to to what you know we all want to see we are the consumers these days and millennials are the most you know probably diverse uh, group of folks i would think and the most liberal of recent years and, and i think they want they want to see that stuff i agree and um just to go back because you said that you got your first camera actually from your mom um at what age were you then I want to say I was pretty young. Um, I was like a preteen. Okay. <laughs> I was a young young teenager. Yeah, and uh, she had kind of dipped her toe also in photography and had this great camera and told me how to buy film and put it into <laughs> put it into the back and and make an image. Isn't that so crazy? Like I thought about that the other day because, I mean, I think that I just was always fascinated fascinated with um pictures and i was just thinking about like i literally used to have to put like the film in the back of the camera and like the <laughs> camera has just changed so much oh my god it's incredible the um like this particular camera i remember having to like warm it up <laughs> and like get like i'd have to go through a roll of film to get it to start taking a clear picture and it's just it's such a contrast to the to the cameras that we have today like they're you know immediately ready <laughs> yeah they take a clear you know they take the clearest picture unless you know something's wrong with the lens or something but um it's a different experience it taught me a lot of like patience also to just like let the camera kind of you know like mold to you in a way right. you know kind of you have to merge souls with this piece of technology <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's yeah I, you made me talk like i really went back like wait a minute i used to have to do that too that's so funny <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, everybody pr pretty much, like, especially um, as you further go along the lines of filmmaking and deciding, like, this is what I want to do, we're always told, like, oh, you need to have a niche. And I saw that you um, love documentaries. I was like, yes, I can't wait to talk to her about documentaries because I love them. Um <laughs> But I was very interested because your focus or where I saw that one of the things you're interested in is urban re rehabilitation. So why was that a passion of yours to tell that story? And then like kind of tell us what exactly that means first. Sure. Um, urban rehabilitation, I think, can be looked at in a lot of different ways. And the way that I talk about it is it, you know, like, there's sort of the uh, cultural element of it, and I think that there's the, the real estate element of it. So if you ask a real estate agent what's urban rehabilitation, they give you the definition of gentrification, um, which is the opposite of what I'm for and focused on and, and dealing with in the documentary stuff that I do. Um, 
my focus was looking at communities that had previously been neglected mm-hmm. um, or areas dealing with, you know, people living in the inner city that have been neglected. So, like, their health and their uh, food supply, etc. Um, and looking at ways that programs were trying to fix that and aid that and build something up with the community so it wasn't like this big foreign object coming into a community and kind of taking over um but something that could grow with the people actually in the community that the kids in the community could grow up with and therefore sustain long term um so the documentary work that i did a few years ago um it's now seven years ago which is kind of crazy to me i was really young when i went into um documentary film work but I was really interested in food deserts and um, coming from the Bay Area, I was exposed to so many different cultures. Like the, the Bay Area is this crazy hub of diversity and different people and I like miss it so much being in LA, but like I, I have my, my, my hand extended to the, towards the Bay Area. <laughs> um, but I grew up in Berkeley and I grew up, you know, being in Oakland a lot and um, just the two cities are very they're just they're very urban meaning they've just got a lot of businesses going on they've got a lot of people living in them and around when I was going through high school there was sort of a movement um to to switch people away from like the fast food movement and from and turn them towards you know recognizing the food that's going into their bodies this was kind of the like slow food movement um dealing with, like, Alice Waters and, and the American, you know, gaze going towards, like, how French people eat. I don't know what all, you know, like, the sort of, like, the bourgeoisie version of it. But mm-hmm. there was a more, you know, grassroots version, which was, like, we don't have any food growing in our neighborhoods. We don't, you know, like, kids in these neighborhoods don't know what a farm looks like. They don't know how a carrot goes out of the ground. They don't know how to dig for a potato in the dirt. Um, And so I found out that there were these organizations in Berkeley and Oakland doing this work in communities and taking plots of land that had previously just been used as, like, dumping grounds for old cars and, and, you know, like, old bottles thrown into them. And they've just become, like, these trash dumps right in the middle of these hubs of, you know, people and families. Mm -hmm. So these organizations would kind of just, like, till the ground and get all this debris out of there, and then they would plant you know seeds and vegetables and things and and you know pop a chicken coop in there and and let the kids see where you know like how a chicken lays an egg it's so crazy you know it's so crazy to them or like how food really grows out of the earth how you can tend to your food and then consume it and cook it and all these sort of different things um i had the privilege of going to middle school where they uh would integrate gardening and cooking into our curriculum at school um and Mm -hmm. i did a documentary a short documentary about that program um at uh, mlk middle school in berkeley and so as you know really young kids we were taken to this garden that's about an acre i think they've expanded it now um they also have goats now which they didn't have when i was there (laughs) but they would show us how, you know, different, like if we were studying um, Mexican history, they'd take us and they'd show us how corn was uh, raised and how they would um, 
there were like these three different plants that they would grow at the same time because one plant would shade the roots of another plant so that it could grow higher and all this this like crazy ecological (laughs) um, knowledge as young kids but it would be so fun and it'd be integrated into us talking about you know like Mexican culture and Mexican history in our history class we'd go out and we'd learn about this one particular kind of food they would make and that's sort of precious to their culture um and then we learned how to cook it, you know, right next door in this little trailer that they built out to be they built out to be a kitchen, um, and that was a, such a great way to instill that knowledge yeah. and like open our minds up to not only like how food grows and how to cook it, but also how to relate to other people yeah. because like we all eat corn, right? And just in the history of you know like Mexican or Mexican American heritage, there's this particular way that they used to grow their corn. Um, and, like, how fun is that for all of us, you know, as diverse as we are, to just kind of, like, look at each other like, yo, this is how we can grow corn, too, or, you know, right. like, this is how, you know, corn is grown, you know, like, breaking down these barriers, um, and it was so much fun, and so when I grew up and had the opportunity to make a documentary about something, I was like, this place right here does this thing, and it's wild, and I want to focus on it, um, so that, that was my jumping point, definitely, for documentary work. I like that though and I mean I think that's even um that just shows you know as we have our experiences and I was listening to um I can't think of her name but I was listening to a podcast earlier before we got on and she just was saying how as filmmakers it's so important for us to not like get so far removed from the world that we don't have those experiences because that's where our stories come from totally completely I remember entering, sorry, but I remember entering into film school and they said, don't get stuck just doing film because then you're just going to make films about film school. Yeah. (laughs) And it's very true. If you don't have real life experiences, you don't have a story to tell. Yeah. So that brings me to um, another point because we both have in common that, um, and it's kind of dual, um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I know that you are currently in the MFA program at yes. the University of Southern California. However, yes. I kind of want to ask you, um, because I know when I went for my MFA, mine was in screenwriting. Um, okay. When we were talking, because they're like just very realistic. Um, my, my school was in Pennsylvania. Um, I tell everybody like, on the east coast we're over here trying we're you know we make films too but a lot of my professors um were actually from california and they just would tell us like okay this is the trend right now for um screenplays like you know whether they're looking for comedy etc and i just started to notice like a lot of the people that i went to school with were then trying to just write specifically for trends um, do you think that's a good thing or do you think it's important for us to really share what's in our heart? So I think that's very interesting. I think it's really important to stick with what's in your heart and to speak from what is true to you. Um, I think the entire point of having different kind of people different kinds of people in the industry is so that we get different kinds of voices um there's definitely right now specifically a trend for um you know kind of drama comedy drama with you know women at the center with 
you know, uh, ethnic identity sort of at the center as well and, and, and different cultures being sort of highlighted. Um, and I think that's scary for people that are coming from a more Western or more white-centric um, narrative. I've definitely been in seminars recently where, you know, like white men have raised their hands and said, you know, like, how, how do we get this scholarship or how do we get into this program? How can I submit to this? And uh, I think the best response that I heard from a presenter that was answering a question was like, this particular thing is not for you. And it is for people that haven't had a voice for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important to stick to what's true for you and and for sure fight for your story and things like that but it also you know like media changes film changes it's always it's cyclical so we will in these soon (laughs) maybe um turn you know so like sort of jump on the train right now but like there will be a time when things go around in the circle again and we're gonna see different things we'll pull away from sci-fi and go into something else or um what have you but it's always changing it's like fashion it's like the seasons. It's definitely like fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Um, so I already kind of mentioned it, that you are in the MFA program. Uh, yes. And we do have a lot of women in our collective that follow us on our Instagram, our website, that want to direct films, but they necessarily can't afford to attend film school. Um, what are some tips? that you would give them to help them become better at directing? Sure. Um, Well, first, I'd probably say nobody can afford graduate school. (laughs) Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know how well I'm affording it, but uh, I'm here. Um, (laughs) It it takes a commitment. You know, if you're going to sign up for the loans and do it, then that's what you're doing and I'll raise my hand for that. But, yeah, um, me too. Oh, my God. <laughs> totally. Um, I think you, you've got to, you've got to be an observer, and you have to, you have to look at how people work. So I'm very, very much interested in the human experience, and very much interested in real-life situations with real people and real locations and things. So my like number one job to do is watch people and look at how people talk and how they move their mouths when they speak and the the way that their body language is and observe how people move through their relationships with other people and and just sort of take mental notes like I'm always taking mental notes of how things happen and then I take physical notes on my phone about you know lines of dialogue that I eavesdrop on but it's important to recognize if you're interested in the human experience, you have to pay attention to humans. Um, and that probably sounds like silly or something, but I can testify for people that I'm even in film school with who are, who would also pledge and say that they are interested in the human experience, but are very disconnected from the psyche of people and, and the psychology that people work with regularly. It doesn't have to be anything, um, majorly, you know, clinical or anything, but you do have to understand, how people move through the world and, and the way that they think and how people deal with their insecurities haha, and uh, what have you um, and how they operate and build your stories out from that. I think I build my best stories from 
real experiences. I build my best stories from real dialogue that comes out of people's mouths. Like that stuff is like pure gold. Um, yeah. When you need to build a script, is, is listening to people in a coffee shop, um, or you know, paying attention to even yourself when you're talking. I get a lot of dialogue lines from just me and my mom being on the phone <laughs> and just having like a silly conversation or recapping the day, and I I find how something is is uh, interesting or just hilarious beyond <laughs> beyond understanding or just so realistic and down and, and woke that I have to write it down and just make a, a statement out of it. Mm, that's good. You um, I think that's a good thing. I tell everyone um, that my original, well, my undergrad is in um, counseling and like <laughs> my parents are like okay so how did you jump from counseling to filmmaking and it's like because like you said like I love the human experience like I absolutely love it and I think that's a very good tip and I'm gonna have to start back like writing in my my journal but um I people watch like yeah I will go sit and I do it like at least four times a week and I'll go to a certain place because then it's like a lot of different type of people that walk in this area and I will mm-hmm. just sit and like people watch so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a, yeah. very, a very, very good tip that you gave. And then even the step further where you said like just conversations and bits and pieces of like your experiences throughout the day, like noting Completely. that because mm-hmm. yeah, as a writer, you can run with that. Like my web series that I'm working on that I've like let sit to the side um (laughs) has come from like my nine to five like it's literally like bits and pieces of my nine to five and I laugh so hard at some of the stuff that I get from it it's the best material ever (laughs) totally (laughs) um so I know that you direct and then I also saw that um you do a number of other things but I wanted to ask you, because you already mentioned a camera, uh, do you also film yourself? Like, do your own film behind the lens? Hmm. I, I really don't. <laughs> um, it's taken a lot for me to kind of get the confidence to be in front of the camera, and I'm still not all the way there. Um, I'm interested in it for sure, and being in front of the camera, but I haven't actually... Okay, so, but do you, um, not in front of it, but, like, behind, do you use the camera at all, do you, or do you only do directing? Um, I, I, when I first learned filmmaking, I picked up everything, so I did sound, I did, you know, director photography, I did everything, so I, I have my hand in everything, but I love directing, um, I love directing, I love writing, and I'm also a producer, um. And I love directing and writing the most, and I love writing the things that I direct because uh, you you get to create this entire world, and um, I'm very visual, so when I'm writing, I'm even visualizing what the shot would look like or what this person looks like. So, for example, I'm really, really invested in my castings um, because I know the exact kind of person that I want. I know, you know I want how I want their hair. I know what their skin complexion is. I know how their eyes should look. Um, so being so visual puts me <laughs> in the director's role. Um, and then handling the camera is like is a complete craft in and of itself. So 
I love hiring people that are really talented um, in creating angles and, and lighting and coloring scenes. So I find the best DPs that I can that will work with me on my projects. And, and I have a huge amount of respect for people that do cinematography. It's incredible. It definitely is. I have been um, at the suggestion of one of my friends. She was like, you're not going to be able to wait on everybody to do it for you. So I totally can relate to like basically learning everything that you can and like yeah. doing it, even though I am realizing like my specialty is definitely directing because I am visual and then I love writing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I have been doing some filming and I just am like, I have absolute respect for y'all. Like, do I want to get better at it? Yes. But I also appreciate having um, a DP. Like I'll, I'll be like, I miss mine. Like, I just want her to come and just film everything for me. So, <laughs> totally. So, how has your style evolved since attending the MFA program? Um, I think I honed in on. Um, hold on, let me think about this question a little bit. my style has become a lot more refined um I think I took some really great classes upon entry into the MFA program that taught me structure and taught me to uh, find a centralized point in my work and build from there um which is really important I think especially for people who have a lot to say and I'm one of those people (laughs) who has so many stories stored on my in my mind and on my phone and in my books Mm, um and so I have (laughs) totally so I just have so much material that I want to get out and I think the best advice I got from one of my teachers who is a great great writer um and I sort of grew up on his movies and he was like you gotta find what exactly you're saying like if you can put what you're saying in your movie, if you can put it into one sentence, one cohesive sentence, not like several lines, one run-on sentence, but just one good cohesive sentence, then you stick to that, and you centralize your characters to that, you centralize your story, and you centralize your vision to that. Because if you make something that's good and it's a nugget of you know material that you wanna do, other people are gonna wanna watch more. Mm-hmm. especially in, in this episodic world that we live in now, if you give them a nugget, they're going to want another one. So yeah. if you give them, you know, one Lay's chip, they're going to want another Lay's chip. And you can build out, you know, your world from there, but you have to you have to make it cohesive so that people can enjoy it and really, you know, just fall into your comedy and fall into your jokes and, and believe your world. If you make it too complicated, they're going to step out. Mm. That's really good advice. I'm going to have to write that down because I think... <laughs> You're as, taking all my gems. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good advice because, no, seriously, as creatives, especially if you're a screenwriter or a writer, you have so many ideas. And when you said, like, make it one cohesive, like, sentence and not, like, this whole long run on, run on like... Yeah. That makes sense because you feel like you're trying to fit everything in. Like, yeah, if I give you a piece, then you'll come back totally. for the next piece. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. That makes sense. 
Tell, look, tell your teacher, thank you. <laughs> I'll, go tell, I'll go tell him right now. <laughs> um, so how would you describe your process with working with actors? Um, my process working with actors is the most fun that I have on projects. Um, I'm totally an actor's director. There's one thing that we learned also is that there's two different kind of directors. There is the camera director who's who stays behind the monitor and just kind of yells directions from back there. And they're great, and they do that craft, and there are some actors that like working with people like that. And then there's directors that barely look at the monitor, and they're with their actor. And they're, like, on the set themselves. Like, they set foot on the set with their actors, and that's me. Um, I love working with and pulling out emotions and and having them understand a character and give them background and and also build out the character with them because there's only so much that you can bring to set and bring into a character yourself and once you have this other person as your you know kind of partner in crime and creating this character in this world they give you gems of information and they give you character insight that like you may know how to you may not have ever thought of before. I know that um, this past summer I was filming a pilot and there were five different characters and they were all super complex and so I had built them out in my mind and on paper as much as I possibly could and then when we got to set with all these people they were like, I have this idea, do you think this would fit this character? You know, I have, you know, like would he wear a shirt like this? What do you think? Mm -hmm. And it was crazy, like my mind was blown, I was like, yes, like you understand you are are this person you've created, you know, we've created together and that's so much fun and that's so much fun for actors and I just I love the work that they do I think they're like the most selfless people um the best ones at least um when they can shed all of their inhibitions and their uh you know what have you and they can become this other person and this other character and understand you know the connection to that person's parents and that person's family and the way that they operate and how they would hold their coffee cup and all these different sort of elements that add to building out a full character, a full rounded character. Um, it's the most fun. <laughs> and I, um, when you said that, I think when I first started um, directing and like even assistant directing, I was like behind the monitor and then I gradually felt like, okay, no, I need to be out here with you because mm-hmm. I need, we need to communicate. And I need to be close to you, and I need. So I, yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've been on so many sets, at least in this past year, and sometimes people, sometimes my crew really thinks I'm crazy because I'll like kick off my shoes, I'll hop on the couch with the actors, I'll be like in the scene but out of frame. <laughs> so like, if it's a close up on a character, I'm next to them. <laughs> And I'm looking right in their eyes as they're reading these lines and making sure that they feel the warmth from me and that, you know, I'm completely supportive of their mess-ups and they're, you know, wanting to change a line or ad-lib something. I'm, like, right there and they can whisper to me and we can create a a relationship with each other um, that I wouldn't have if I was behind the camera. If I'm 20 feet away, you know, and I'm behind the monitor and I've got a hat on and I'm in a chair... I'm like unapproachable and I don't want to be that kind of person, especially with people who are giving me, you know, like their soul to change, you know, in in a sense. So I like to be right there and holding their hands, especially if it's an extreme close up. I'm right there. I'm like rubbing their back. (laughs) (laughs) 
So when you say fully build out your character, explain to us what that looks like or what that means to you. Sure. Um, To build out a character is to really know this character inside and out. And that's one of the things that you have to, if you are into the human experience, you got to understand humans. You have to understand how people work um, and the nuances that make a person because we don't just operate in like grand motions. That's not how people work. Um, we operate in nuance um, and small things that we do and small ticks that we have and things like that. So to build out a character is recognizing all of their little movements much more than their grand movements. Like, yes, they may walk from point A to point B, but what do their hands do when they walk? What do their eyes do when they walk? What do they look at? Um, what do they lead with when they walk was uh, actually a thing that I learned in an acting class that I had to take <laughs> so I'd know what actors have to go through, but um, they told us to pay attention to what you lead with when you walk, like if you lead with your pelvis or if you lead with your shoulders, if you lead with your um, chest, but whatever is kind of moving you forward in the world um, and to analyze that and what does that mean. Um, So if you lead with your shoulders, your shoulders are kind of cowered over, then maybe you're a little protective of yourself, maybe you're insecure about something. Um, or scared of your of the external environment. You know, there's different things that you can read in the way that people carry themselves in a situation. And so, um, in scenes on film, the audience is looking at all those nuances because they're hungry to try to identify with this person. So, if you see someone with shifty eyes in a scene, someone will connect with that and understand the psychology of what's going on in the scene. If they're if they can't, you know, if their eyes can't settle on a point in the room there's something wrong there's something going on they're thinking about something so those are the sort of moments uh, that you have to pay attention to and those are the sort of uh, character you know the, the parts of the character that you have to build out so you have to give them reasons for those things so if their eyes are shifty what's the reasoning what are they thinking about what are they being triggered by etc um, there's a lot it's the small moments and there's so many of them that take to, to build out a person Okay, that's good. I hope y'all took notes on that because that was some really good information. I was sitting here (laughs) thinking like, wait a minute, how do I lead when I walk? (laughs) Totally. I had to recognize it for myself because my chiropractor was like, what are you doing when you walk? Um, Your hips are all jacked up. But uh, (laughs) it's good to know it's a way to just kind of walk through the world. So you are currently working on a new project, Room Enough. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Room Enough um, is a story that I built out um, with a friend of mine, uh, a colleague and a friend of mine, um, Kamal Jones. He approached me with a story um, that he wanted to tell, and we had worked on a project previously, and he really appreciated my writing, and he really loved working with me, so he asked me to write it and direct it. Um and we built this really great project together um, with a lot of influence from him and then influences that I was pulling from my own life to create the story basically about a young couple, um, not too young, <laughs> but a, a youngish couple, young in their relationship at least. And they're struggling with um, a, a difference in socioeconomics and in background um, and uh, how they can kind of push past those elements 
to recognize that they really love each other enough to stay with each other. Um, the man in the relationship is a blue-collar, working-class guy, and uh, the woman that he loves and that loves him, but sort of conditionally, is white-collar professional. Um, and there is a discrepancy in the relationship when they have external influences um, kind of trying to pull them apart from each other saying that it's too difficult it's like one of these things they're not going to ever get over in their relationship no matter how much they do love each other Um, and in the end we see a decision being made um, whether or not the love and and the care that they have for each other is enough to keep them together and, and to accept a marriage proposal that sounds really interesting. <laughs> I was over here. Like, so when um, when do you think that that's going to come out? Because I know that you are filming for it. So when do you think we'll see that? Sure. Um, so we actually completed filming over the summer, um, and we are in the editing process now. We're actually submitting for Sundance. So fingers crossed um, Yay. that we get in and we win. <laughs> we take the gold. Um, yeah, so we it's it's being prepped for that, um, almost on its way out, and uh, yeah, we're keeping it a little um, we're keeping it a little covered and hidden for now, um, just until we know word from Sundance. But we'll have a trailer out soon enough, um, and things like that, and updates to give to people. But we are very excited about the project. Yay, that's good. I I will keep tabs. Look, I'll keep tabs on you, and I'll see when you post anything about it. So, that's good. Yes, yes. Thank you. So, what is next for you? Um, Next for me is the production I'm currently in. Um, I don't think I got a break at all. I think maybe a week, and I went to Tahoe, and then I came back and was in a new production. I'm actually working on um, a short film um, about a, a young kid growing up in South Central Los Angeles, um, 16 years old in the mid-1990s, um, when gang violence and gang presence was really relevant in South Central LA, and it's about a kid with a lot of, uh, a lot of hopes to be a baseball star, and he gets bussed out to a school in the Valley, which is like a suburban area of Los Angeles, and so he's thrown into an environment he's not used to. He has to navigate through um, a predominantly white, very upper crust, polished high school, um, and then come home to his South Central, you know, neighborhood at night and and navigate his best friend being um, gang affiliated and trying to kind of coerce him into becoming um, one of the members. And, he has to make a choice between what hat he wants to wear, basically. If he wants to wear the hat of a baseball star and, a, and, a, and an academic, you know, success at his new school, or if he wants to kind of fall into what's um, not so threatening to him um, in his home. Mm. And the, the film is called Hats. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Um, I'm producing it alongside um, a co-producer and uh, being directed by a fabulous woman named Shade Joseph. And it should be it should be a lot of fun. We've got some great actors connected to the project, um, so it's very very exciting. Well, you can tell her that we would love to have her on the podcast to talk. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm sure she would love to. And. Um... 
I have one more question. That was supposed to be my last question, but you made me think about this. So how did you get on the producing side? Sure. Um, I didn't really realize I was a producer until I got to USC, which is funny. Um, all the time that I had been doing work, you know, previous to coming to the graduate program, I was doing directing and producing at the same time. And so when I got here and they, you know, split us up and said, who wants to be directors and who wants to be producers, I realized that I had a foot on both sides of the fence. Um, and producing that is one of the favorite things that I do because it's so much, it's like all this chaos and you have to organize it, which is like crazy fun. Um, and it's good for anybody that has like a little bit of OCD. But uh, it's great because you're, you're leading the ship, you know, into the ocean and dealing with all of the logistical pieces um, and some of the creative pieces to be able to create films which are incredibly um, intense and incredibly complicated. Um, so being a producer, you have your hand in every pot and you, you assist the director very much hand in hand um, to create the vision of the director. The vision of the director definitely holds the creative vision of the film, but the producer is right there to make everything happen and um, express my opinion about, you know, different things and elements and scenes and character pieces and things. Take my feet up and hang out and watch all of my work and come to fruition. Okay. That sounds good. So let everyone know how they can keep up with you, your website, social media, so they can stay in touch. Definitely. My website is uh, www.zoeelisesalnov.com. Um, I'm hoping that's written down somewhere because that's a long website to remember. <laughs> yes, um, I'll put it in a note. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm also on Instagram, um, and I will have all those connections on my website itself. I'm I can be contacted through my website and also at um, zas.films at gmail.com. And I'm always on my phone <laughs> and always looking for emails. So if I ever receive an email from anyone, I'm quick to respond. Okay, so everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. You know the routine. You can go on our Instagram. I tell y'all all the time. Facebook, I don't post as much for the creative outsiders. Sorry, I'm just, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. So, you can find us on Instagram at The Creative Outsiders. And you can also go to our website, which is The Creative Outsiders as well. And you can follow me on my personal website, social media, SiobhanHill.com. So, until next time, make sure that you are out there living your filmmaking dreams.